Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manicherry and today's episode is all about surviving dental core training. I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Christina Diamonti on the podcast. Christina is one of my best friends from dental core training and we've been through a lot together including dental core training and in this episode we talk about our experiences uh, the good things as well as the bad things and advice we would give to anyone who's considering going for dental core training. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and without further ado let's get into the episode. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Hi, Shadi. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So this is going to be a very comfortable episode. And as I was saying, I love it when I actually know the person. And for those of you listening, Christina is one of my good friends. We've known each other for a long time and we've been through a lot. And we're going to talk about what we've been through today. (laughs) But just for people who don't know, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please? Hi everyone, so um, I'm Dr. Christina. I met Shadi through our DCT1 post at Guy's Hospital. Um, After um, qualifying in Newcastle in 2015, I did a year of um, dental foundation training in London. Then I did my DCT1 post at Guy's. Then I did a year of MaxFax. Um, and currently I work as a cosmetic dentist in a practice in Northwest London, um, part-time and the rest of the week, I'm a specialty doctor in oral surgery at the London Northwest NHS Trust. So I feel like we've pretty much had the same background. We qualified yeah. the same year. <laughs> um, we were actually in, our dental foundation training wasn't in the same scheme, but we had study days together, but we just didn't, our, our paths never crossed. And then it was at Guy's DCT1 that we actually met. And I remember the first, I remember exactly when we met, it was when we were doing the um, registration stuff. And for some reason, everyone thinks me and Christina are either related or the same person. <laughs> yeah, but we never see it. <laughs> we never see it. My even my mom, even my mom thinks uh, me and Christina look alike, and with the but we are very similar, I think, in nature. And if if we look the same, I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> So for those people that don't know, today's episode is going to be about dental core training and our experience with it. Um, Like I said, our experience was fairly similar in that we did DCT1 in restorative dentistry. And uh, Christina, you did uh, your other half in oral surgery, didn't you? And I did a mix of oral surgery and a bit of oral medicine. Oral medicine, yeah. And I did my other six months in in pediatrics and then we both did MaxFax. So could you just tell us what dental core training is for those people that don't know? So dental core training is basically um, further postgraduate training after university. Um, it can be it can vary. It can be between one and three years, and and you get to experience different kind of specialties um, within dentistry. Um, as we said, we both had quite a varied um, dental core training, from restorative to pediatrics to oral surgery. Um, in the UK, people that want to specialize need to do at least two years of dental core training um, in order to apply. For me, dental core training was a little bit like um, further training to kind of learn on the job. 
you're you know still within that hospital environment you still have people supervising you mentoring you um you're still a trainee and you've got that safety net essentially mm -hmm. but you do get to experience more advanced treatments so patients you would normally refer into hospital to get treatments you're now on that other end and you're actually seeing or possibly doing the treatment as well mm -hmm. how yeah. did you find it yeah, I think it's the same, you know, I think initially for me, it was just about gaining that experience and going a little bit further. But um, as you know, I, after two years of dental core training, I seriously considered specialty training and I actually applied and luckily I didn't get in. But I remember <laughs> you considered oral surgery as well, didn't you, after after your dental core training? Yeah. Even Maxfax for a little bit. Um, I caught the Maxfax bag, as a lot of people said. <laughs> I didn't. I, luckily, I didn't even. I even like, applied for medicine. Go, you know? Did you? Luckily, didn't get it. Thank God you did. <laughs> when was this? I'm learning so much already. The secrets are all coming out. <laughs> Towards the end of Maxfax, I literally, I just, I loved it so much. I thought yeah. this is. I'm going to be a surgeon. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true. Sometimes you kind of, it, you, that adrenaline brush kind of gets you going. Let's start off with our experience with guys and then okay. we'll go to MaxFax. We'll save the best for last because I'm sure we both have a lot to say about MaxFax. So how was your experience? Because I know we did similar posts in some ways and we kind of had our study days together, but actually we didn't really, our clinics never overlapped. So we were never on clinic together. So for the first six months of you know my time at Guys, I was at St. Thomas's. So I was at a completely different hospital. I didn't get to see you guys at all. Um, mm. But you were based at Guys and you did restorative. So how was your experience at Guys? Um, I think it's a great hospital overall. Um, it being a teaching hospital, it has kind of the foundations to help you learn a lot more. There's a lot of people kind of around you that will spend the time to teach you. Um, my first rotation was restorative, which I have mixed feelings. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it was set up very well. Mm -hmm. We had kind of hands-on restorative clinics only once a week where you'd see about four patients really. Um, you did see a combination of kind of different treatments. We did, I had uh, maybe one composite veneer case um, a lot of patients with hyperdontia who just came in for their resin bonded bridges mm -hmm. and a couple of like implant restorations, but that was it. It was, it was fairly limited. You didn't see kind of the whole of, you know, restorative treatments you'd be mm. able to fight in a general practice, for example, or even as a restorative specialist. Um, and I kind of didn't like that you didn't get to see the patient finish their journey. Mm. So someone would have seen the patient beforehand do all the um, treatment planning for you. And then they just kind of turn up on your clinic and you're expected to just get on with the treatment. Mm. But because we did not, I mean, these patients were referred to the hospital for a reason. It's because mm. their general dentist was not able to do that treatment. And we didn't have any further training at the time. We were just expected to do that more advanced treatment, but without having the foundation or the skills. Mm. Mm. And often, you know, you would overrun on your session. You wouldn't have enough time to finish the case. And then you wouldn't have another slot for maybe a month or two. So by the time you were about to finish the case, you were ready to move on to your next rotation. So you didn't mm -hmm. really 
at least in my experience, I didn't finish most of the cases, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't like. Um, and then, for instance, when I had that composite veneer case, again, I didn't feel like I had enough guidance for it. Mm-hmm. Both you and I, since then, we've done so many composite courses. Yeah. We know how you know many tricks and tips and mm. skill it requires to do it properly. And yes, now I could do it to a very good standard, but back then I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, generally, overall, it was a good um, overview in terms of treatments of what you're able to provide or to see, you know, what you need to refer to a hospital, for example. But I, it was a little bit rubbish, really, mm. in terms of treatment. The consultant clinics were okay in the sense that at least, you know, you, you see patients with complex problems and you got involved into their treatment planning. So it really helped me with kind of diagnosing and, and treatment planning patients. And that I have taken into practice and it's helped mm-hmm. me. But overall, I, I personally did, didn't love the restorative rotation. If I was to do it again, I would probably choose um, either a year long one or maybe a different hospital. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it very much depends on the unit you're based in and how much exposure you get. I think, to be honest, I think generally hospital treatment is very slow. So we're both in practice now and we can sort of get on with stuff much quicker. But I agree with you. I think the consultant clinics were really, really good. And it kind of trained you to think in the way that the consultants would think and just think about, you know, if you are in practice and that's your plan moving forward from dental core training you just Mm -hmm. understand the patient journey as well when you refer them to hospital what kind of cases are accepted and the complexity of treatments and and what's really done in hospital so I think it's a good taster session but I agree like what we had for example for six months I don't think that's enough for you to start doing implants you know and implant retained crowns um, and I remember Christina was on the, she did the re- restorative rotation before me and you had Dr. Melaki, who was actually a yeah. guest on the show. And you told yeah. me exactly what she was going to ask. And I looked it up and she was so impressed. And now we're best <laughs> friends even to this day. But yeah, it was thanks to you that she likes me now. <laughs> <laughs> she was incredible. Very thorough. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We can definitely assess periodontal patients now. <laughs> definitely. I think she'll be proud. <laughs> so what was your oral surgery and oral medicine rotation like? Because my, my pediatrics, I, it's no secret that I loved it. I absolutely loved it. The only bad thing was that we didn't get to see you guys. It was just me and my fellow DCT. It was just the two of us being lonely in, in St. Thomas's. <laughs> but it was a very, very good rotation. Uh, but what was your oral surgery and oral medicine like? Um, so the oral surgery part, I absolutely loved. Um, it's an incredible team, um, very hands-on. Everyone wants to kind of teach you, train you. I got so good at surgical extractions. Um, and again, it is part of the reason it was so inspired and it really made me think into a surgical career. Um, the oral medicine part, I was a little bit reluctant in the beginning. I didn't really want to do it. Um, mm. It's often considered a really dry subject, even at uni. It wasn't my favourite. Um, but I have to say I was impressed um, I did learn a lot um, on the rotation. I did see it from a kind of different perspective because all your supervisors, there are people that actually love it and they've done a lot of research in it. And I kind of saw it in a way that, you know, it's no longer that, okay, there's these like problems and lichen planus and dry mouth and, and so on that we kind of don't really know what to treat and we're a fair on and hope for the best. But you saw the other side and how to treat it, how to investigate it properly. Mm. And a lot of times, actually, 
you know, you did make a difference to those patients. Mm -hmm. There are special mouthwashes, tablets, things Mm -hmm. that you can do to help them or even Mm -hmm. diagnose kind of um, more systemic condition that they may have and then help them battle the symptoms and support them. There was a lot of admin to it. um, But I think it was it was overall very, very, very interesting. Yeah. Do you know that I feel like that's really similar to my peds rotation because I had zero expectation going into peds because yeah. I never liked it at university. It wasn't one that I was interested in, but that, doing that post completely changed my mind. And the way I'm, I am with my pediatric patients now is completely different because of that post, because we used to have this consultant and she just used to talk continuously over the patient so that they just never got a chance to be upset or cry or get anxious. And I do that now. So you, I think you pick up bits that you take away with you. Uh, you know, even if you don't end up being a specialist in that topic, there's so much you can take away with you, whatever path you go, you go down to. So, um, I think guys was, was, was a good one, although maybe restorative wasn't the best, mm-hmm. uh, but the whole experience, and again, bearing in mind, depending on the post that you do, there are study days or conferences, um, you know, London, I think is really hip and happening in terms of the study mm-hmm. days we get and the social events. So that, that was also very, very good. Yeah. A lot of networking. Um, and I think overall, you know coming out of uni you're not going to learn everything Mm. it's not enough time dentistry is such um you know such a large subject so many different specialties it's evolving all the time and then having the opportunity to then see a lot more of it in a hospital you Mm. you will bring a lot of that in general practice yeah see um some of our colleagues you know they're still going to refer a lot of cases in the hospital because they they don't know how to treat it yeah because they've never experienced it so it's all yeah. very foreign and a lot of stuff now we're able to do just because we have that experience yeah I actually remember when I was doing my max facts a dentist called I was on call and a dentist called and she was so panicked she was really really scared she was like I've just taken an upper six out and I think I've exposed the sinus and there's a communication and I was like okay it's fine <laughs> just review it next week just do this like she was so stressed and scared. she was like should I send them straight away and I was like why <laughs> like no this is how you deal with it so I think having that confidence uh, more than anything just the confidence of knowing and um, really really gets you out of tricky situations yeah. So this is the juicy part now. We've got guys out of the way. Let's talk about MaxVax. And we both went on to do MaxVax after our DCT1 post. We were in different hospitals, but still we were in London. Um, So tell me about your experience. I think we've had a slightly different experience. (laughs) Um, I mean, MaxVax is very, very, very interesting. you are kind of, you know, you're thrown in the deep end really, really quickly with mm-hmm. um, absolutely no training, no idea what you're doing initially. You're a dentist um, ending up in A&E with a bleep, constantly bleeping, no idea how to use it. You get asked to see really medically compromised patients, people with huge lacerations, their face is about to fall off. Um you'll call your reg, they're busy doing some sort of surgery and you just have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, everyone's kind of name dropping all these medicines the patients are on and, and so on. And you have no idea what they're talking about. No idea. Yeah. yeah. 
you you just have to do it you have to deal with it and and I guess a lot of it is how maybe foundation doctors feel in their first two years but for us it it had never been like that before so it was a very very steep learning curve Mm -hmm. um and I think in the beginning there there were times that I thought I don't think I'm going to last an entire year doing this or maybe I should give up or maybe this is not for me um but it does get better and the adrenaline kicks in um on these like 12 hour shifts or your night shifts and you learn more and more and you become more and more confident um and it just completely changes you as a practitioner I think mm. yeah. um I, I I absolutely loved it I yeah, that's why I stayed on part-time in hospital and I still yeah. Yeah, get yeah. to do a little bit of that. Yeah, and that's why you applied to medicine at the end of it. Like you actually yes. considered this. Wow. <laughs> I realized I want to have a life after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad you made that decision. Do you know what? I think you're right in that I think it depends what hospital you're in, what unit you're in and what type of personality you are. Because, you know, Northwick Park, I think your trust was a bit more hardcore than ours. So we didn't do night shifts. We didn't do any sort of major oncology cases. And I still found it super challenging. What you were saying about being thrown in at the deep end is 100% true. So I started off my first week being on call. And I remember it was the first day, like we had an induction. And then the next day I was the first one to be on call. And then I remember my consultant, it was the worst. My consultant just gave me a tour of A&E. He had his little briefcase. He just gave me a tour of A&E and he was like, that's it. I'm going, call me if you, if you need me. And he literally went and they bleached me. And there was this, this young girl who just had a car accident. She had this massive laceration in the middle of her face. I couldn't remember where Amy was. I didn't know where any of the instruments were. I didn't know where to do my notes. I had no, I had no idea. I didn't know what to do. But exactly like you're saying, you just kind of have to get on with it because it's like, what, 9, 10 p.m.? Like, you don't want to be the person that calls your reg or for, mm-hmm. for a laceration. Like, if you do that at the beginning, everyone will unfortunately laugh at you and you'll be that person. Mm-hmm. Although I will say that I was that person because we have a very hardcore consultant who was head of department at the time. He's now a very, very good mentor and I, I'd like to say friend of mine. And he was the consultant that was on call. And I remember I got to, I think, the end of the shift, whatever time it was, it was in the evening it was at night and it was late and at our hospital because the MaxFax um, SHOs didn't do night shifts ENT took over so I was there at the end of the shift and I was like does the ENT person just come I don't I don't know what do I do they're not here it's been five ten minutes they're not here and I remember I called the consultant I called my consultant and I was (laughs) was like it's just like 11 o'clock at night and I called him and I was like I don't know where the person is And I remember literally two seconds later, I got a call from the ENT guy. He was like, you called the consultant? And he ran to the, he ran to the department. He was like, let me take it. So I became known as that person who called the consultant on my first shift. So yeah, just make sure you understand the dynamics before you make any sort of hiccups like I did. But it it was great. I mean, I got to go home and now we laugh about it. But at the time I was that person. Uh, although equally I think you know sometimes you'll do things in max facts and you you get so stressed and overwhelmed and you think it's going to be the end of the world but Mm -hmm. most of the consultants they've had all these years of really intense training Mm -hmm. they're they're very chilled about everything Mm -hmm. 
they are. I remember once I thought one of the patients in the ward, I thought he was having a heart attack. I kept calling cardiology. Cardiology was ignoring me. No one was coming to see him. All the nurses were panicking. Everyone was panicking. The reg wasn't answering their phone. I didn't know what to do. I called the consultant. He's like, it's okay. Just wait for cardiology. <laughs> okay, then. It's funny, isn't it? Because sometimes, most of the time, they'll tell you to do what you are doing already, but you almost kind of feel like there should be another way, like this can't be it, but actually, that it that is it. And I think with their experience, it's just a case of, no, well, this is, this is what it is. You just kind of have to get on with it, however inconvenient it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your experience like with surgical procedures and hands-on? Because we, we had our own clinics, we did surgical extractions, we had um, episodes of, of periods of being on call. So for every trust, that would be different depending on how big their team is. So for us, I think it was something like one in five um, where we did on calls. So, um, But everyone's will, will differ depending on how big and how busy the the department is and how big the team is so what was your experience like with your own clinics of doing procedures treatment clinics so at Northwick I think it was a little bit different to yours so it's Northwick Park's a massive Maxfax unit we had I think 12 consultants um, and everything is happening from trauma oncology literally everything orthognathic surgery um, so you would still have some some kind of rotations like we did at guys so my mm-hmm. first six months, I was mainly in the orthognathic rotation. Um, obviously, you had some sessions uh, with trauma when you were on call. And then I did my call mainly in A&E. But my second rotation, I was in the oncology rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking after war- ward patients on my um, on-call r- rotation, basically. So um, we would also rotate every three weeks to one of the spoke sites. So this would be different hospitals mm-hmm. that there were still oral and maxillofacial surgery departments, but they would mainly do oral surgery procedures. Mm-hmm. And this is where you would get most of your hands-on training in surgical extractions, biopsies, that kind of thing. I think having done oral surgery as a DCT1 and a bit of oral medicine gave me quite a big advantage Mm. because I already knew a lot of the things. I was already quite independent. Um, So yes, I had to learn how to be on call, how to answer the bleep, how to stitch people's faces, et cetera. Mm. But the oral surgery part, I I already knew how to do it. Um, So I literally, on the spoke side from the first week, I was doing independent extractions, I had a lot of support and I, you know, I got to do more complex things um, with my seniors. So we did, you know, oral communication closures, um, a lot of exposing bonds that I hadn't done that many of guys. And um, so I became quite independent and like I felt really close with the team. And that's why I decided to stay on. Um, and the same with my when I was assisting in consultant clinics. I felt because I already had that oral surgery, oral medicine knowledge, I could, there was a lot of patients I felt I didn't have to always run through mm-hmm. the consultant. I could just discuss it at the end if I needed. And um, so I didn't feel as much of a trainee in a way, mm-hmm. um, which I think also made me enjoy it a bit more. I could see people that were doing it as DCT1 and they didn't know at all how a hospital works, how the admin side works or the letters we had to dictate. It was a lot harder. Um, but I also enjoyed the part that, you know, I could help teach them a little bit and guide mm-hmm. them. It's 
it was nice and we, we were a really nice team it's true. I think, you know, I, because I didn't have that oral surgery background at all. I was like, you know, I was doing pediatrics and watching Frozen. So when I started MaxFax, it was kind of, and I don't, don't enjoy surgery, to be honest. I like it when it's going well. Like I love biopsies, like punch biopsies of the cheek of the tongue. I love it. It's so simple. It's so satisfying, but like, you know, surgical aids, like I don't enjoy it. I don't, I don't enjoy the procedure. If it's going well, and if it's an upper eight that I flick out, it's great. <laughs> great I love it it's great yeah but I feel like I don't enjoy surgery that much whereas I feel like you do and I know a lot of people enjoy surgery so I think you would have a much nicer experience in MaxFax whereas with me you know I fainted I I, again I was known as a person who fainted in in the theater often and I remember the same consultant that I called on on day one (laughs) during procedures it's really embarrassing but it would get to like an hour or like two hours into the procedure and he'll be like right it's time for Shadi's coffee break and he'll be like just go go and come back when you're better because I was that person who kept fainting in theaters like this is and I know I'm not the only one like I feel like a lot of people have done it birthday as well but we had an awful case awful yeah I was so stressed like it was literally my first day I was running late because actually, when I started MaxFax, my first week was at the spoke site. So mm-hmm. I had no idea about theatres on call and stuff like that. And then I go on that, I think it was Friday, the first day I had to actually be at Northwick. Um, I was running a bit late. I didn't know where to get changed um, for theatres. I couldn't find the reg. I didn't know where I was supposed to. I couldn't I couldn't find theatres. I, I didn't know where to go. And then I found... Northwick Park, by the way, is a horrible hospital. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about this today. I just went there today and came back. But it's a horrible, like it's one of those really old hospitals that makes you really, really depressed. So I'm not surprised. It must have been a really bad shock to the system going there and like trying to actually do something. (laughs) And the Reg was so upset with me and he was trying to be really strict. Like, why are you late? Why do you not have logins? Why are you not in your scrubs already? Why are you not wearing a green gown over your scrubs? I was like, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) And then we went to see this patient who poor patient had a massive abscess he was diabetic as well um and we had to like quickly get him into theaters to drain the abscess from the neck and oh my gosh I did the smell and the amount of pus that was coming out I know I'm being a bit too descriptive but I like I, I just fainted yeah see on a good day you would enjoy that but I think on a bad day maybe maybe <laughs> But this is the thing. It's all the senses, isn't it? It's like the vision and the, for me, the first time I fainted, we were doing a skin case. It was like a skin cancer case that we were stitching up. For me, it was also the smell because yeah. these things no one tells you about. And we're, we're used to, even if you're used to doing surgery, you're used to doing inside the mouth, which is very, very different to outside the mouth. Um, the smell, the sights, it's just all these senses that are really, really new can be quite overwhelming. And as you said, you know, you could be running late, you haven't eaten for a while, you're stressed, you're thinking about the admin side of things. And, yeah. you know, and unfortunately, in a lot of hospitals, the juniors are kind of picked on to do all this mundane stuff. And they often would have a list of all the stuff that they have to do, they have to please everybody. So you have all this stuff on your mind. And you haven't eaten, you haven't drank anything in hours. And then, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people do faint and, and become unwell. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, some people continue to faint on a regular basis. <laughs> people like free. Um, but, you know, overall, I think, I think as much as I don't like my max fax rotation and as much as I 
say bad things about it. I think it really, really was useful in my training because now there's lots of things I see in practice that doesn't stress me out Mm -hmm. and something that I know will stress other people out. Like I remember one of my patients um, who was a very good patient of mine, very regular patient. We had really good um, report and trust and she actually uh, fell over on the pav- pavement while she was running for the bus so she had this cut on her face and she was she was a really anxious patient she didn't want to go to hospital she didn't want to go to any so she came to see me in practice and I helped her out and that for me I was like okay my max fax rotation it has been worth it and it's been all leading up to this yeah. day so if you can sort stuff you know stuff that isn't by the book but you can help patients because I think when we're in that regimented environment, everything is very much by the book, but actually the skills you take away with you can help you in a lot of situations that you might not necessarily think it, you know, if a case is bleeding, a complex case, and like even medical histories, I feel like I, you know, all those weird and wonderful conditions like medication, you know, now I'm really proud of myself when patients give me a list of medication and I like don't have to look up spellings and I know what every single one of them is. is. Yeah, nothing really phases you anymore. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's a little bit mean, but you know, sometimes you will get referrals in the hospital now and it's like, oh, please take this tooth out. It'll be a grade three mobile tooth, but the patient's medically compromised. And then you look at the medical history and it's like hypertension. Diabetes, yeah. how is this medically compromised but I mean I guess when you're on the other side and you've never done this yeah it's true yeah but (laughs) I think you know a long list of medications and you don't know what to do with them yeah yeah I think it's it's good dental core training all in all I think even if you don't want to go down that specialty in particular it's just good to take away some points, even if you want to, if you're in practice and you want to refer a patient to a hospital, you know exactly what their journey is going to be like. You know that they're not going to treat them when they see them straight away. Even these little things really do, I think, make a difference, make you a better practitioner and clinician. Definitely. How many times did we see patients on consultation that expected to have their tooth yeah. taken out on the yeah. day? And yeah, they would get absolutely. very upset with their dentist because they didn't know. Yeah. At least we know how it works. We know when to refer, who's going to get accepted. You're facilitating the patient journey, definitely. Yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, our colleagues who graduated the same year, who went straight into practice, they've also had other skills. You know, if people know that they want to end up in practice, those two years that we spent in hospital, they spent Mm -hmm. in practice perfecting their skills. And now they're very good clinicians as well. So I think there's no wrong I think that, I don't think there's any right or wrong. Um, I've definitely, you know, being in practice has been a steep learning curve because obviously when you're in hospital and you're doing max facts, or, you know, I remember being on ADC and like getting the patient out of pain and treating an acute problem and then saying, go back to your dentist for like regular care. Yeah. And when I started in practice, that that really phased me because I was like, I'm the dentist. I have to deal with it now. Like, I can't I can't just say go back to your dentist, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So there's good and bad things about being on both sides. And it really yeah. depends on uh, on what they're planning on doing. But what would be your advice to people who are considering whether to do DCT or not? Um. I think overall do it. I think it's an invaluable experience. Um, I mean, definitely you will feel that other people that are not doing hospital training and they've just stayed on practice, you might feel that they're progressing more, that they're you know far ahead of you, especially if your end goal is to end up in general practice. But you will still get there. 
and the experience that you get that there's no other way to really get it um and yes maybe skills wise or courses wise it's going to take you a little bit longer to get there but you will get there whereas stuff that you've learned through your hospital training you 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 can't really get it any other way yeah um, i agree it, i don't regret it at all i would definitely do it again if if i could go back in time i would definitely do it again maybe a different restorative rotation but i would um <laughs> You really didn't like that restorative rotation. Did you? <laughs> I didn't know it left such an impression on you. <laughs> I agree with you. I think it's it's just a matter of time. And honestly, with um with stuff, I feel like we all being at this stage of our career, I feel like you're all just, you know, you we all have FOMO of what other people are doing, but actually one or two years in the grand scheme of things is nothing. Like we've been in lockdown for one year, like the year's already over, like a year in the grand scheme of things is nothing, but the skills that you take away with you are invaluable and you can't really get it any other way because, you know, the skills that you like, for example, with composite skills that you don't get in hospital, you can go on a course, you know, it might take you a little bit longer compared to your friends who are in practice, but actually those hospital skills that you have, they're going to be with you for forever. And there's no other way of getting those into the DCT. So overall positive, I think. Overall positive. The consensus, yeah. yeah. Um, I would probably say do your research um, before you accept a post um, or even when you're applying. Um, I would probably also say don't apply based on location because there's a lot of posts outside London um, that are really, 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 really good. Um, there's so many of us on Instagram nowadays, you know, reach out, ask about the other people's experience. That's the only way to really get to know yeah. rotation. Yes, um, all the when you're applying for it, they all have these documents that tells you a little bit about the job, but it doesn't really tell you about the job. Mm, so, mm. you know, ask your colleagues, we're all here to help. Mm. Um, and if you do max facts, make sure you look after yourself. Mm. No one else will have breaks, have yeah. lunch. Yeah. have coffee a lot of coffee yeah with sugar honestly that you don't want to be the person that faints on day one but you know that the most important thing I think is look up the post in terms of the location because don't trust the trust I keep talking about this and I talked about this again and again but you know I applied to the Royal Free Trust because I thought it was going to be local to me it's in two completely different hospitals so when you're applying to a post remember that the trust may consist of a few hospitals across different you know locations some of them can actually be quite far away so make sure that you know where MaxFax is based at so that you don't make the mistake that I did. Thank you so much for joining me today, Christine. It's been such a good chat. I feel like we can continue talking for hours about this. But I'm quite... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Shadi. My pleasure, and I'll see you soon, hopefully. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you are considering dental core training then I hope that's given you a realistic insight into what you can expect um like Christina said please if you have any questions especially about our specific hospitals please feel free to reach out to us for advice we're always happy to help as always I would love to know what you thought of the podcast so feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Dr Shadi Manucheri also if you have any questions or suggestions relating to the podcast please let me know there 
There will be a new episode every week, so please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode, and I can't wait to speak to you soon.